0: Welcome to Daddy Issues, the podcast where we talk about father and son relationships in popular media that make us uh, emotional. It could be a happy emotion, it could be a sad emotion, it could be any. What's your favourite emotion, Dave? Um,
1: uh, that's I've what I've never I experienced one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you've never experienced an um, emotion, not one. No, I'm hoping this will be this will be the exercise that allows me to truly experience human emotions for the first time. Wow, you're just like Spock. He's got daddy issues. <laughs> I, am, I am just like Spock. And really? I think that's why I, I relate to Superman so much, because I think I know the truth, the hidden truth of my existence is that I'm from another planet.
0: That's pretty cool, man.
1: Yeah. How are you doing? You are right? Yeah, apart from yearning for my home world, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've been doing pretty good. It's a miserable day outside, oh, so it's, it's, nice to be, uh, it's nice to be doing something... Uh, nice and shiny on the inside. Yes.
0: Yeah. I've got a a, a weird thing to tell you that I saved for <laughs> us to start recording before. Okay. Okay. Right, so so last night it was children in need. Right? which is okay. uh, if we have international listeners children in need is like um, international listeners the five people including my dad who listen to this dad just in case you don't know what children in need is it's <laughs> a big british uh charity show that they do every year on tv and lots of celebrities get involved and they'll do funny skits or videos um like andy murray and peter crouch did one last night it was brilliant they were really funny um but my general reaction to children in need goes along the same line as my stepdad, which was, oh, I think on the one show they said, oh, it's children in need tomorrow night. And my stepdad went, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, we watched it anyway, because we, we always end up watching it in, in my house. Um, but we got very drunk and I am very hungover. Um, so the more drunk we got, the more children in need improved over time you, you might not be suppressing it, but there was a very emotional video um about uh young children with with kidney disorders and uh i was so drunk that as i watched this uh, i just went on my computer and typed away and i woke up this morning and i looked at my computer i thought like, oh, what did i do last night and firstly i made a lot of instagram stories that i'm not i'm not proud of but secondly, I registered myself as a living kidney donor. So... And who says nothing positive ever comes out of drinking? So I might get an email on Monday from South Mead Hospital in Bristol who I emailed to say I'd like <laughs> to donate my kidney. Um, saying, okay, well, what are you doing next week? Because we can
1: probably fit you in. To... We probably get you in, yeah. can never have too many kidneys.
0: Well, yes, this is true. So, um... Yeah,
1: that was an interesting... Well, good for you. Like, that was a a daddy issues moment in itself, in, in drinking heavily with your stepdad. Yes. And it resulted in a true expression of... Possibly clouded altruism. <laughs> <laughs> there was a Cloud, lot like the cider. Yeah,
0: there. Yeah, were... oh, for sure. Yeah, there was a lot of um, when we were sober. How much do you want to donate this year? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's been a tough year. Do we have enough money? But as the night got on, we ended up donating quite a lot because once you're drunk, <laughs> it becomes easy to donate. So yeah, you become more so... generous when you've been. Drinking. Yes, yeah, that's, yeah true. that's true. But for daddy issues. Today, we wanted to do something a little bit different because normally we just do a movie or we do a TV show, but this is a David Bryan special episode where Dave was like, oh, I want to do Real Steel with Hugh Jackman. And then last night at (laughs) 11.30pm, whilst I am donating my kidney online, Dave comes up with a new idea. What did you decide you wanted to do, Dave?
1: Well, I I posed you a challenge, or perhaps wasn't particularly challenging, but I posed you a question mm-hmm. and asked you to come up with a list of songs that remind you of your relationships with your father and your yes. stepfather. Um, and I I thought that I could come up with loads, so I thought we'll have we'll probably keep it to ten, and otherwise we we'll don't want to get crazy, <laughs> and we can <laughs> yeah. talk about we can like share each other's lists and talk about them, and then. I spent all night panicking because I can only really think of a few. <laughs> so today I think we're just going to talk about a few, but um, I think that we're gonna have there's gonna be some good stuff in there. Oh yeah,
0: for sure. So what I what I have done with my song selection is I've gone for songs for which I have a strong memory attached to my father, rather than like um, the song uh, makes me feel something about my father son relationship. It's more like these are songs that I have me- specific
1: memories attached to. But how did you go about selecting your songs? I did exactly the same thing all of mm-hmm. these are um songs that just yeah have a, a memory attached to them or songs that I recall hearing a lot when I was of, of an age where the only music I heard was the music that my dad was playing yes so yeah um, and I don't um so in some cases I don't really listen to this kind of music but whenever I hear it or I hear the artist my dad is the first person that i think of Mm -hmm. so it was interesting to try and whittle this down to a few to a few songs and then try and figure out which ones did strike the most um of a memory in me and and then then researching them deeper finding actually interesting links to to fatherhood and some some other uh aspects that do mirror in in my dad and me and my dad so yeah it was kind of a quite cathartic experience
0: Okay, I have a feeling that we are going to go down two different highways with uh, with our songs, so I'm excited. So what the way we thought we'd do it is, uh, you'll share a song first, we've got three songs each, uh, you'll share one, we'll listen to it, then we'll discuss it and uh, discuss the memory. Because the podcast will be on YouTube, we can't show that much of the song without being copyrighted, but we're going to fucking try and get some of it in there and just see what happens. Um, but um, you'll uh, you'll do one, we'll listen to it, and then discuss it, then uh, I'll do one, and then we'll kind of go back and forth, three songs each, and yeah, and, and see how we go. So, David Bryan, uh, air drum roll, please, because I don't want to mess up the microphone. <laughs> uh, what What is your first Daddy Issues song choice?
1: My first choice is going to be Wonderboy by The Kinks.
0: Ooh, okay. To
1: YouTube. Hi guys, so for anyone who's listening on Spotify or iTunes or any of those other good podcast places, when we put this out on YouTube, we edited in about one-minute snippets of each song, and we seemed to get away with it. But I don't want to take that risk with all the important, scary Spotify and iTunes people, so I've cut it out of this version. But if you'd like to listen to the podcast with all the full songs included, go to the Awful Commentary YouTube channel and you can find it there. Otherwise, carry on. Hope you enjoy the episode. Bye.
0: So that is The Kinks, of course. Of course. Classic, classic band. Wonder Boy, very reminiscent of mid-Beatles. You know, like that that period of the Beatles that I'm not super fond of, where they leave the awesome rock and roll stuff behind and then the more uh they start using sitars and and, and stuff like that it, <laughs> yeah it's
1: kind of like just before they got the beatles got to, to sitars and the baba Vagida and stuff like that yes but they left behind the the pumpy rock and roll and they were doing a bit more yeah lighter fare yeah but um, yeah yeah I why really did you why did you choose wonder boy it's a great song it's a great song um it's funny actually it has quite a strong connection to my dad but only very recently and only really because of me okay Um, so my dad turned 50 (laughs) that's fine I can be um my dad turned 50 uh I guess about six years ago and uh, my girlfriend and I at the time decided to make a video for him by going to see all of our relatives and family and getting them to talk about him and then I cut them all into a video with music and the something I managed to get hold of from my granddad was footage that he had filmed of my dad when he was a kid. Wow. So I cut all that in and I wanted to get some music from around that era to play behind my dad, like as a baby in a crib and then there's a, um, and some other bits and bobs. And I was, this was the song that I landed on. Um, I was, I've been into the kinks anyway. And I was again, listening to kind of music that I already owned around that time. And this song kind of leapt out at me. Um, so in my mind now whenever i hear this song it's particularly attributed to the one shot in the of um this film that i made of my dad as a blonde haired 10 year old riding around the garden on his bicycle the smiling at the camera and i and i think yeah i find that very very evocative now um the title of the song as well wonder boy and those things line up properly and then just in researching it now I never really thought about the lyrics much apart from the beginning wonder boy life's just begun and again it's it's there he is in front of me in my mind's eye and in this video as a as a young as a young man but now in in looking into it and reading it I wasn't able to find any backstory into why it was written what it was written about I know it was written by Ray Davies and recorded and released in 1968 but just from my interpretation of the lyrics, it sounds like um, a father talking to a new son mm. about the world and about about life and you know um, just looking at some of the lyrics, looking at some of the lyrics now, it's it's kind of like this uplifting story of you know dream and don't sigh don't groan life is only what you wonder and it makes me feel like it was encouraging it's encouraging of a song to be imaginative and and go out into the world and have fun and experience things um and as well as just the general tone of the song i do find it i do find it very uplifting and now i think it will forever be something that i um attach to my dad perfect
0: I don't. Mean, I don't even. I don't
1: even know if we need to say
0: any more on on the track than that. I think you you've, you've given a, a perfect yeah a perfect. Had summation. you heard
1: it before we just listened to it?
0: I am a big fan of about five Kinks songs, and <laughs> I would say there are there are like five Kink songs that I absolutely love and will listen to all the time, and they just never touch their discography. Yeah. So like Wonder Boy is one of those ones that I yeah haven't really listened to other than the Tenacious D song Wonder Boy. <laughs> it's not a cover. No, no it's not it's definitely not um, no. but yeah the the Kinks the Kinks are a band that uh, that have a strong connection to my dad as well for a slightly different reason um, which I'll get into after we listen to my first song which I am going to share with you now uh, my first okay. song is Boney Maroney by Larry Williams
1: and another another classy fade out
0: oh yeah I love that song I think it's a great song
1: I love it too no. I'd never heard it before I'd never even heard of Larry Williams before but Well yeah, What, what you're going to love gonna...
0: Yeah What you're going to love About yeah. Boney Maroney And Larry Williams Is He seems to have A bit of a theme Larry Williams um, The song he released Before Boney Maroney Is called Short Fat Fanny And <laughs> <laughs> He's American Right Fanny means something Different over there <laughs> And also it's a woman's name. So childish. Um, yeah, but the song after Boney Maroney is Dizzy Miss Lizzy because Larry Williams seems to love this can I get the song titles to rhyme? And like, it's all just very fun, very upbeat, very energetic. Um, I just, yeah, what, what a, an awesome, awesome track.
1: That is great. That was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. So the reason that this one reminds me of my dad is because uh, after my parents divorced, um, my dad embraced his lifelong dream of just becoming a professional musician, because he'd always played in bands, like since he was a teenager, Um, and he was in like various rock bands, and um, that's how we met my mum to begin with, was that he was the bassist, which is of course the coolest and sexiest instrument to play. and he was a bassist in a rock band, and my mum was in the audience and was like, "Hello." And then they they got married and had me, and then um, uh, the problem being, of course, that when you're trying to support a family, your dreams of rock stardom have to go on hold somewhat. Um, and so my dad would would go and do gigs in the evening or on on the weekends, um, but during the day he had to do like accountant work and like working for banks and. That kind of, um, yeah, not the exciting rock life that he dreamed of. No. So
1: when my parents... Start crushing, mind-numbing stuff.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. So when my parents got divorced, it was like, uh, well, I'm just going to go and be, become a musician full-time, which is, which is what he did. And that was his career for, like, 25, 30 years. But it also meant that from the age of, for me, from the age of, like, four until I went to university and stuff, um... If I went to see my dad on a time that he was working, or if I went to stay with him during the summer, especially during the summer, um, it would be while he is, uh, staying in a certain location and performing every night. And... So, a lot of my summers were spent in like in Cornwall or in Wales or one of these holiday tourist destinations where my dad would be performing, and then I would go and see him perform every night. And then we'd go, we'd hang out during the day, and like and then we'd be down by the beach and stuff because his job was to be in, in, in these areas. Um, and then he spent a lot of time playing abroad. Um, so I went to see him during the summer season in Majorca. Um, but then there were other times where he was just gone for like three to six months like he um he was just in dubai performing and and abu dhabi performing for like months at a time and like you a 10 year old dominic isn't flying from the villages of somerset to abu dhabi to go and to go and see dad right so it's a long time where where dad is just gone um but the music that he performed is one of the things that I always carry with me, and one of the things that very much has influenced my taste in music, and why uh, a lot of girlfriends that I have will be like, why do you solely listen to rock and roll from the 1950s? And it's like, because this is the music that that I literally grew up with, because... Dad would would be playing the summer season, but the summer season would include like some of the hits from this year for the kids to dance to. But then things for their grandparents who were taking them on these summer holidays, the grandparents want to... Like, my grandparents always said to Dad, why don't you play Blue Suede Shoes by Elvis Presley? I think that that's a perfect song. And Dad was like, I don't want to do Blue Suede Shoes because my grandparents wanted him to do it. But for me, Boney Maroney is Mm -hmm. the... A uh, song that reminds me of my dad performing, because he performed in a duo with my what would be my stepmom at the time, um, and normally she she played the keyboard and sang, and dad would play guitar and and do backup vocals, but Boni Maroni was one of the ones where dad did the vocals and and everything and played guitar and and stuff, and so for me this is like yeah my dad's pretty fucking
1: cool. Hell like... yeah this. Th- like talking about people not getting why you only listen to rock and roll from the fifties. That is the coolest genre in the coolest <laughs> time period of music. Yes. Like I just don't think there is a cooler time in in music history, especially in America. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm so. I'm very happy that you've brought this into my life. Like my a lot of my joy comes from finding music I've never heard before. And yeah, you've done me a great favor. Then it's it's great. I I loved. I've only, I've, I don't think I've ever met your dad. I've definitely seen photos. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to picture that him on stage playing guitar and singing Boney Maroney. And that, yeah, that makes me smile. I, 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 for one day, I'd love to see him perform.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, he doesn't perform as much anymore because the the problem that he had eventually was that he wasn't performing the music that he wanted to perform. He was performing what was demanded by, you know, what are the audiences going to want? And it ended up becoming a compromise of, do I want to do Ed Sheeran now that Ed Sheeran is popular? And Dad did Ed Sheeran and it went down pretty damn well. But it's not necessarily what he's, you know... Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's not as artistically satisfying.
0: No, but what is very artistically satisfying... My memories of which I haven't included, but this is one of my honorable mentions is just the discography of ZZ Top, which is <laughs> a big, a big connection that I, I have with dad, especially um, give me all your Lovin'" by ZZ Top or um, or legs by ZZ Top. Because I remember one day I went down to visit my dad and he said, I've got a DVD for us to watch. I'm like, okay, well, what is it? Is there a new Star Wars movie, or what, what is it? And he went, no, it's all of the MTV music videos ever recorded by ZZ Top, and we're going to sit there, and we're going to watch it. <laughs> and so we did, and it was just the best time, because ZZ Top are one of those bands, you know, along with like Michael Jackson, that just revolutionized music videos and what music videos could be, because they're just larger than life, and ZZ Top are just the coolest fucking band in the world. But one of the reasons they're so cool is that they have guitars and bass guitars that spin. They spin. They spin. So they'll be playing. Uh, they'll be playing. Give me all your um and then midway through the guitar solo, the in synchronicity, the guitarist and the bass player will both spin their guitars 360 degrees on an, oh, on an axle, right? And so the guitar will, will swoop around in a circle. So you, you do your guitar riff, you spin the guitar, you catch it and you both keep playing and it looks fucking
1: awesome. That does sound fucking yeah. cool. That's like the, the precursor to the uh, syn- busted, synchronised <laughs> that's what I go to school for jump. And it's you know what I mean?
0: Don't you ever <laughs> compare the
1: ZZ Top spinning guitar to? Yeah, I mean busted. The, the spinning the spinning guitars of ZZ Top is kind of cool, I guess. But I mean, oh, busted were you know God one of the greatest bands in history. But the reason I bring Can up, i just quickly gone on record and said I don't mean that. Yeah, that yeah, sarcasm. he does, I hope that, he does. That
0: came across. <laughs> He wants to go to that year 3000 where we all live underwater or
1: whatever that song was. Not much has changed, but we do live underwater, which is quite a change. (laughs) But it's a a reasonably large change. Um, (laughs) But the
0: reason I bring up ZZ Top and not Busted is that when I was about 15, I think, my dad said, OK, we're building a spinning guitar. So my dad got like an old, uh, like a not like a uh, an expensive cu- a guitar, just like a regular, a regular one that you could get from not from Argos but something like that. Then he drilled into the back of it, built a spinning device with uh, like a something to rotate the guitar on with a tennis ball on the back so that the guitar doesn't rub against the the wooden platform that it's up against. And we built the spinning guitar. Then we decorated it in black and white zebra stripes. And then Dad went, oh, we need to get some writing on it. What What should we have written on the guitar? So I went upstairs and I went through my Spider-Man comics. And there's a comic of um, so Spider-Man fighting Venom. And me and my dad loved the, the lettering on the sound effect, YARG, where Spider-Man is like, Punched Venom or something, or he set on fire and Venom goes Yarg, this y-a-a-a-a-r-g-h and so me and Dad uh, like stenciled Yarg on the spinning guitar, and then he went and used it live, and so he'd be playing, and then the guitar would come, he could just spin his guitar and keep playing. It's fucking awesome.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah, so me and my my friend Arthur, who lived very close to my dad, would go to watch him play um and just be like spin the guitar spin the guitar <laughs> cuz it was just the, yeah, it was just the coolest thing
1: that is very cool i think we're going to i think we're going to notice a disparity here between the coolness of our dads i don't think
0: that's true but yes yeah, that is uh yeah that's a great just a great memory um right it's your turn now dave what is your oh, your next me.
1: song my next pick is going to be Silver Thunderbird by Mark Cohn from the self-titled album Mark Cohn of 1991. Great. Let's listen to it. Let's listen to it. A few panpipes there at the end, you know, you've got to get those in. Got to get
0: a panpipe. No panpipe, no deal. That's what <laughs> I always
1: say. Uh, yeah. It's got some great 90s tropes in there with the panpipes and that kind of choir going on in the background.
0: Yeah. Great song. So why did you go for this one? It's a very father and son- it's obviously just by its nature. It's a very father and son. It is,
1: yeah. Um, this whole, actually, this whole album. Um, if I was to pick it, like, if there's one album that I attribute to my dad, it's this one, because um, he used to listen to it all the time um, while I was growing up, and I grew to like it too. And then when I grew to really start to like my own kinds of music, I then would try and find music anywhere that i could get my hands on it so i'd go through his cd collection go through my mum's cd collection and this was the only one of his that i actually found had any kind of playback value so anyone that really struck me and then over the years i've listened to it on and off and this song is the one that always kind of prodded me Mm -hmm. like in my in my gut and just it's funny actually listening to this song just then I was starting to get a bit emotional then because even though I've been listening to it just while we've been preparing for this, to this recording, I was kind of re- like reading at the same time and looking at lyrics and trying to read background on the song and stuff, but then just sitting here and listening to it properly, like it does stir something in me. Yeah. And again, it, like you said, it has that very obvious motif of a, of a father and son. And, um, the guy, the guy, Mark Cohen he said he wrote it about his dad as kind of like a form of therapy his uh, cuz his dad died when he was 12 and he didn't really ever really know him he was one of those kind of like traveling salesman types of like uh, yeah sort of mid 20th century america who would go to work every single day 7 days a week and toil and and when he came home it would be late but the family would still really struggle he couldn't really provide for mm. them and i'm i'm not sure why but yeah obviously he passes away while the while the writer is still young um so it's it's kind of it is kind of a uh, tragic but it, you can really feel the it's drawing from real life mm-hmm. like it's it's not a it's not fiction it's it feels very real there's all these details and obviously like the car the silver thunderbird it has it's quite an evocative vehicle in itself and in its shape and i i kind of see myself in the this in mark Cohn's role in the song of watching his dad come and go in this car and he doesn't really know where he's going like when you're that age um like you don't really know what your parents do during the day while you're at school there's like you see them in the morning and then they go off to do their thing and you do yours and when you come back you're back home again and that's family time but um yeah it's kind of he, he looks i always imagine he looks at his dad as if he's watching it batman getting the batmobile yeah well this is something that we've we've spoken something.
0: about before that you can really feel in this song well we've spoken before about the way that when you are young you look up and idolize your parents and your father as being more than just another adult um yeah the, yeah we yeah we spoke you know, on previous episodes of that way of when you eventually discover that your your parents are fallible because you, so much of your your childhood is spent thinking you know, your your parents firstly they're always right about everything hmm. um, and you know also they are more than you know they're more than man and in this song you especially in that first verse where he's saying the car looks like the Batmobile basically yeah. the car looks ba- the ba- like the Batmobile and my dad is driving the car um Which really invokes that idea that you know he sees his his father as a superhero as more than yeah and... yeah
1: well, it's like it's like the car is is the is the heroic feature mm. like he sees the car and the car looks like the Batmobile but yet holy shit that's my dad driving mm. it you know like and and kind of therefore that makes him makes him great and yeah like you say going through that a uh, period in your life where you. Get to realize that your parents are it well, was especially in our case finding out that your dad who is your role model is, is also um human fallible, like you're saying and isn't always right about everything but then try to imagine being 12 years old and then he's gone mm. you don't get to become an adult and then uh, almost get to see your dad as a peer and appreciate them as a human being you're still like in this in, in his mind his dad will always be that sort of superhero figure that bit larger than life character. And only in retrospect did he learn that, you know, he wasn't successful at anything. He struggled all of his life and then, you know, presumably died quite young. Um, so yeah, it's just that that one's quite, quite an emotional one. But, um, like I say, that whole album kind of always harks me back to him. And it's just in, in going through it recently that, you know, you can't kind of ignore those kind of, uh, um, yeah, there's some not similarities, but you know, they are it's appropriate for our conversation. <laughs> well, let's change
0: gear and go for something else. Let's bring it up. You've got has has something to bring it up. to do with fathers and sons <laughs> at all. Um, okay, good. My next pick is going to be Needy Girl by Chromio. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. I love that song. <laughs> That was great. That was fun. Yo, yeah, I'm yeah. so I'm so glad that you're here to bring us back up after I, if I if I bring the the mood down a bit with all my somber emotional no, shit. You just wait. Funk. Just wait till we get onto track number three.
0: But for the <laughs> for the moment, let's stick with uh, with Need a Girl by Chromium. You may have noticed I'm wearing one of my Chromium t-shirts today. One of them. How yeah, I have three.
1: <laughs> so you're um, a fan.
0: I yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, the you know, um have uh, have been my favourite band for a long time. I don't necessarily want to get too much into Chromio, because when we eventually do your music podcast, um, that you were you are cooking up one of these days, and when he invites me on as a guest, ladies and gentlemen, which he goddamn better do, um, I'm going to talk about Chromio a lot when when we get to that. Um, Good. The the reason that the, this song, for me. Uh, has that connection to my dad is that um, uh, when I was... Oh, there's a goddamn tractor. We're recording
1: tractor. I can't hear a no tractor. Oh,
0: uh, well, good.
1: But it's it's what happens when you live in Somerset, you see? There's oh, tractors everywhere. Goddamn Somerset. Everyone's got a car and a tractor.
0: It's that there's a real tractor infestation <laughs> in, <this> part. <laughs> in these when... parts. In these parts. Around here, around Somerset. Um, When... I was uh from when I was about 11 um my dad moved uh, to uh a place called Bridgewater which you may not have heard of and you're very lucky if you haven't because Bridgewater is not a particularly nice place and at that point it used to be even worse than it currently is because they had a big plastic smelting factory where you would drive into town and all you could smell was toxic fumes and it was Bridgewater it's 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 not the the greatest place in the world but the most annoying thing was that it's like an hour away from from where I lived with uh, with my mum so every Sunday my dad would have to drive from his house in Bridgewater 1 hour to come pick me up and then 1 hour to take me home then on Monday back to his house then on Monday morning he would have to drive 1 hour to drive me to school and then another hour to to drive himself back home again um, so there's a lot of, a lot of, and that's every week, right? So my dad's doing like four hours driving a week just to pick me up and, and drop me off. Um, which ladies and gentlemen, that is dedication there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you might say, oh yeah, but that's the things that every dad should do, but they didn't have kids like me. And for <laughs> yeah, you props,
1: know, massive props. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but because we, it was like an hour drive to school, we'd have to wake up pretty early in order to get me in, you know, to get me into school on time. Um, so we'd wake up, we'd have breakfast, and while we'd have breakfast, we'd have, like, Channel 4, uh, Channel 4 in, in the morning on. Um, and I don't know what's on in the morning on Channel 4 anymore, but back then, this is 15, 20 years ago, no, 15 years ago, I'm not that old. Um, it was like uh, music videos for teenagers, essentially. It was kind of, like, and then they show The Simpsons and, you know, just, like, uh, stuff in the morning. And we would do this every week, but I can still remember the first time I ever saw the video for Need a Girl by Chromeo at my dad's house that Monday morning because it fucking blew my mind. Because at this point, like, Pop music, there's, you know, there's, uh, I don't know, by this point, maybe Rihanna is just on the scene with Ponder Replay or Shut Up and Drive or, you know, something like that, like early Rihanna. Um, But pop music, it just, it wasn't really anything. Um, I didn't, there was nothing about popular music that had, like, any sense of identity. And the kind of music that I listened to at the time, which we'll see very much in, in song number three, was, like, heavier rock stuff. And so Chromeo appeared just before I started getting into to funk properly. And this one song came in, and I remember the first the first time I heard it. Because after I heard it that one time, I didn't see what the band was called, I didn't see what the song was called. All I knew was that I had the bass line stuck in my head for two years. <laughs> and for two years I was thinking, what was that song? What was that song that me and my dad saw and were like, Whoa, but they could never find again because there wasn't Spotify. Like YouTube barely existed back at, you know, back at that point. And there was no way to find the song again after it had been shown. So it was two years of going, what was that goddamn song? And after two years, when Google was really up and running, let me tell you, there was Google. There was MySpace. Uh, YouTube had appeared as had uh, YouPorn red tube, whatever it was, but we're not getting into that now because we're talking about our dads. Um,
1: <laughs> Tangent.:
0: Yeah, I, I, I found the song again after like two years. And I found it and it was like, this, this is the song. But then I, you know, I, it was just one track and I, 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 I lost them again until I went to university and lived with someone called, called David Bryan, where once again, I was like, oh, what was that song? And then this time when I found it, they had a back catalog. And suddenly I had waited long enough for them to become a favorite band, right? Because this song was something that connected to me in a very strong way but because the the band wasn't there they only had the the one track like on an on an ep but well, it was an album but it didn't really chart or anything when i discovered them a few years later they they had out fancy footwork which is then the t-shirt that i'm wearing i'm wearing now um and it was like enough for them to become like a, a favorite band um and then after i discovered them i took it back to my dad and it was, I found them. Listen to this. Yeah. And then Chromio is something that I have shared with dad and listened to, and that he kind of maybe not Needy Girl so much necessarily. Um, but as I said, my dad is, is a bass player, and it's difficult to listen to Chromio playing bass and not go, yeah, that's pretty damn cool. <laughs>
1: um,
0: the bass riff, uh, well, there's a number of bass riffs in, in Needy Girl, but the, the, the slap bass of a bump, bam bump. It's the coolest thing in uh, in the world. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm really glad to uh, to have that song and to be able to, to talk about it with Dad um, because he always likes to compare it to the 1980s stuff, the stuff that he listened to back in the 80s because Chromio was very influenced by by the 80s. But also, in the way that this bank links back to, to Larry Williams, the the music of the 80s was very much influenced by the 50s. And so you have this uh, pop, a uh, kind of electro-inspired music, synth, synth-inspired synth music of the 80s, referencing back to their influences from the 1950s when they were growing up. But then Chromio are referencing back to the 80s, back to the 50s. And there's just so much going on um, in terms of musical influences, and it's just dense and uh brilliant and yeah and i love it very much
1: that's great that was really uh, that was that was really fun and i'm glad i remember you mentioning that how much you love uh love chromio and i've never i've not redelved into them too much but you can't not i couldn't stop moving my head listening to that song and just bopping and smiling yeah that's 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 a lot of fun well,
0: if you want to hear me talk about Chromio more, and when I say talk, I mean not shut up about Chromio, then <laughs> listen to Dave's episode of his upcoming podcast in maybe the next three years where, yes, yeah, 2024. Yeah, we're, we're coming <laughs> for it. We'll debut at the same year as the next World Cup, and then we'll uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can bring back Who Watches the World Cup for that too. Now, that is a podcast. If you people haven't haven't listened to Who Watches the World Cup, it was mine and Dave's uh what world cup 2018
1: i guess it was 2018. yeah yeah russia 2018
0: yeah. yeah yeah russia 2018 me and dave talking about football and then comparing it to the national
1: politics of the teams that are in the world cup that's a podcast right there that's a, the a banger yeah that's i i do often go back and re-listen i'll be honest to just, us i I I, yeah. I I fast forward all my bits and i just i'd just like to hear you speak God, that's, that's too complimentary. But to be honest, I do the same thing. So, <laughs> Dave, what? That's not true. But, Dave, what is your uh, next pick? My third and final pick to bring us back down to earth with, um, with somber reflection and uh, spiritual exploration and, um, and, and such fun things is I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For Ooh. by You Two. Another, another fade out. Another
0: classy fade out.
1: That's not. That's not the only link between these songs. The classy fade out. Oh well. Hi, tell us then, Dave. Tell us why you picked oh. this one and what what links what links the songs. Well, not not so much of a link. There yeah, the link. There is a link between this one and Silver Thunderbird, by Mark Cohen. In that, they were the only. It's the only real kind of music that I heard in the house growing up. My parents, a lot like um, you two, actually, and I'll get into it in a bit more detail. But they were Christian, and especially when I was young, a much, uh, quite fervent in their in their faith. So in the house, if we if we weren't if it wasn't worship music being played on the stereo, it was Mark Cohn or U Two or this kind of Celtic group called Iona, who would do very like Celtic. I don't want to say um what's the word? very like sort of spiritual, wafy kind of mm-hmm. music that you can really imagine in like having carried on the winds of like the Scottish Isles and stuff like that. yeah, so there wasn't any funk in my house, certainly, <laughs> or rock and roll or any even really any pop music or popular radio um so again, these are the kind of things that when I hear them. They take me straight back to that time in my childhood and seeing my dad in the kitchen or whatever, like throwing his hands in the air, bellowing out the lyrics to U2 songs. And um, I actually, it took me a while to, to narrow this down because U2 was the first thing that came to my mind when I am thinking about songs that remind me of my dad. Um, but I don't listen to U2 much. I, I've, I know a lot of their songs from childhood and they've had some hits here and there. Um, so when I was going through the back catalogue, trying to pick out all the songs that I knew... I noticed that they all mostly came from one album, which was the Joshua Tree album. Mm. Which um, so like the the first three tracks of the Joshua Tree album are basically the three U two songs that I know the most, with the exception of Sunday Bloody Sunday, which um you know it was probably the biggest hit that I could think of. Um, so the first track is uh, where the streets have no name. Then it goes track two. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Then track three, with or without you. Yeah. Those are all the, with Sunday, Blood and Sunday. Those were the four songs that really struck me with my dad. And then what else was interesting was that that album, the Joshua Tree album, came out in nineteen eighty seven, the year that I was born. So Whoa. I don't know if there's any kind of connection there that I can I can smash together. But um, in uh, the still, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I chose this one because in reading about them, this one um, drew a lot of parallels from what um the band have spoken about it and i think in the content of the lyrics with my dad's own sort of faith and spiritual journey and um it's something interesting about the sort of the the doubt that comes across in the song in the lyrics but also this very strong message of of faith and he makes constant references to jesus and Mm -hmm. i believe in kingdom come and and stuff so there's no there's, he's clearly not trying to hide the fact that that's his faith and that how Christian they are and how that comes across in their music and uh, thinking about it it's surprising that they became so huge when they have such obvious Christian undertones in a lot of their hit songs I know they did a lot of kind of political stuff too with Northern Ireland and mm-hmm. some of the other tracks that I mentioned like where the streets have no name and, and stuff are quite well, Sunday Bloody Sunday. Sunday yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, of course Um so, But yet some of the stuff that yeah, mentions carrying the cross and all that stuff um, can still get radio play. I can't really imagine that happening now. But my, yeah, my dad's had an interesting spiritual journey in that he went from being very devout and we go to church every Sunday and there wasn't really much room for wiggle or questions there. And then I think that my parents both started to kind of raise questions about how they were conducting their faith and it's something that Bono said about faith when talking about the song where he said it's tragic that faith has been turned into an industry Mm -hmm. and I think part of my parents relationship with the church was was a was about kind of fell apart because of that it became about um, money and it became about hierarchy and it became about rules when for them, faith was supposed to be supposed to be about freedom and about love and you know a connection. So they've they fell away from church, but probably became more spiritual and more invested in their relationship with God and stuff because of because they broke away from the structures and the uh, scaffolding that kind of um, the church was. So in yeah, this song came to me just as a memory, and then in delving into it deeper it kind of made a lot of sense and i wonder how much uh my dad thought about that at that time like in the late 80s early 90s when i was young and i can remember hearing this in the house whether it was just a good song that he liked by a band that he liked or whether he thought i still haven't found what i'm looking for yet either to Mm. be honest and then they went my parents went and broke away and looked for that so yeah again i'm i'm (laughs) if <laughs> we have a very a very vast uh vast contrast between our our relationships with mu with our music and our dads i think but i i i, I do value um this one because uh, i i don't think my me and my dad listen to any of the same music now i remember i did once make him a snow patrol mix cd because he heard some of their songs <laughs> and, like them. and i was like yes finally something that me as 15 was like yes i like snow patrol my dad likes snow patrol here's here's all their best songs you have to like all these songs um but besides that we haven't really connected on music much so these things are all just evocative in me and not really shared and uh i wonder yeah i wonder if he has any idea what kind of music i like (laughs) i think yeah
0: with uh you two in general you two have kind of always been a, a, a not a point of contention with with me and my dad, but I'm not a U two fan for sure. Like uh, I, the songs that you, you mentioned before off, uh, of Joshua Tree, um, like um, they're classic songs for what they are, but I would never choose to put on a, a U two album.
1: If someone was like, oh, let's listen to U two, I'd be like, I'm I'm alright. But with, yeah, yeah. with I've that... not heard. To... I don't think I've listened to these songs since. I was yeah. a kid, or if they happen to come on, they they play Wave One Hundred Five in my office. So occasionally a U two song comes on there, but otherwise yeah. I've I've not heard them since.
0: Yeah, but listening through to that song from start to finish, for the sake of actually listening to it, um, it is a great song, and that's one of the the arguments me and my dad used to have. Would it be, like, be like, I'd be like, oh god, U two really, and Dad would be like, that's what I used to think, but yeah, if you actually listen to it you'll find that I no dad no I'm not I'm not going to but it is it is a great song there's something similar to still haven't found what I'm looking for to ain't no mountain high enough by Diana Ross the Diana Ross version rather than the Marvin Gaye version um okay. because one of the things that I love about ain't no mountain high enough which is it's not one of a, a dad song but it's a personal favorite song is that ain't no mountain high enough constantly builds to this crescendo that never happens and there is this constant tension throughout Ain't No Mountain High Enough where it's waiting to explode and you can feel it's like Diana Ross is gonna really let go in a minute and when she does it's gonna it's gonna you know fill the room But the whole song is kind of containing this energy, like a a rocket ship. And it's like, just holding it, holding it, holding it. And there's something about Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, which I think has that similar element to it. Because listening to that song, I'm thinking, the edge is going to come in in a minute. And when he does, he's going to let out a rip-roaring, you know. But it, it doesn't happen. The song just keeps going and going and it's about you can feel that same kind of tension within the song of um I think as well as it is Bono's voice and the lyrics as well keep that there but if it broke it would lose and if it like broke and then there was a guitar solo or something like that it would lose what you're saying I think what you're saying that, um the tension in it is also that spiritual tension that he's feeling that that doubting element of you know if the edge suddenly did an amazing guitar solo, they'd have found what they're looking for, and That's the song exactly you know say, yeah. yeah yeah, the song would the song would be finished um so yeah, there's some
1: some real some real artistry in that song um it is yes yeah. it's, it's nicely crafted, and the I'm sorry it does exist all the time, but this is one of those songs where. The the meaning behind the song is reflected in the craft of it and how mm. it's put together. And it and it matters what yeah. how and they didn't just come up with the best sounding instrumentals and then the catchiest lyrics and smash them together. It, you know I think I hope that um they had the same process that you were just describing there where they knew they couldn't they couldn't build to a crescendo, they couldn't let it explode because that's not what the song is about. Hmm. It's about doubt and it's about searching and knowing that that search is is ongoing. But um, there is a really cool version of this from the Rattle and Hum documentary, uh, which you can find on YouTube. But um, they do a version of this song. Um, They perform it at a church in Harlem. Um, And in the little clip that I watched, uh, The Edge describes how they were shown a a video of a, a Harlem church choir covering this in mm. one of their services so they head out there and they do like a a, coll- a collaboration um, which they film with this documentary so it's just uh, all the the choir are sat in the pews of this little church in harlem obviously mostly african-american um and the uh, very gospel orientated kind of sound and it uh, begins with it's just bono and the edge at the front edge is just doing that twinkly guitar sound and mm-hmm. i think uh the drummer larry is playing a sort of a gentle beat on the bongos and it's it starts with bono doing the first couple of um verses and then when the chorus comes in the 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 choir uh, are not arise but they you know they they pipe mm. up and that the, that that great gospel choir sound comes out and they they have a bit of a, a repartee where the choruses and the verses go back and forth between the choir and bono and then it gets to a point i don't know if this was a planned but if you watch the video at, at one point the edge just stops playing he just takes his guitar off and he's just listening to the choir mm. and they just they all just stand there and sort of clap and the choir kind of take over mm. and oh, it doesn't it doesn't change the um the structure of the song but the energy changes of it and it goes from being one man's lament and and um yeah his uh his, his struggles with his faith to being quite an uplifting spiritual song especially when it goes to the I believe in kingdom come stuff mm-hmm. like the choir just come to life and it's yeah it's quite touching and uplifting and I, I've left that life behind a long time ago but there's something undeniable about the energy of a choir and the way it, it's sung and and the, if the people who are singing it have that faith and that belief it gives it this amazing sort of sp- uh, fire and and energy that just yeah it can completely change how you feel about a song and yeah i recommend anyone to go check that out it's a good it's a good, it's a good five minutes well spent
0: that's a very beautiful discussion about spirituality and and faith and um that you're about expressing it the... through music. <laughs> i am about to ruin it in the worst way you could possibly imagine i can't wait next up on radio daddy issues
1: is feel good hit of the summer by queens of the stone age queens of the stone age amazing i'm i'm just excited i get to listen to this song again <laughs> what a song
0: amazing
1: I amazing that
0: song. song that song just fucking rocks <laughs> it rocks hard it does it does work hard nicotine valium vicodina marijuana ecstasy and alcohol and yeah, yes, indeed. A big departure from still haven't found what I'm looking for. And Chromeo for that matter. Yes, yeah, this is true. This is more of a reference, certainly, to my stepdad than than to than to my dad, with some very specific memories attached to it because "Feel Good Hit of the Summer" is, I think, the opening track on yeah. uh, rated R the album rated R um, it was a toss up really between this song and the lost art of keeping a secret which is the track that follows up um, for this time period living with uh, living with my stepdad but I went for this one for for uh, kind of its defining quality um, which is that it's one of those songs that if it had been released in the nineteen seventies, would never have been allowed to air, ever. Um, it's the kind of song that is rated R, as the album says, and that I I'm pretty sure when the um, when radio companies were like, oh, we can't play this. Why, you know, what what are Queens of the Stone Age doing? Um, don't they know that that kids can't listen to music like this? They said, well, the album's called Rated R. Right, <laughs> like, like we haven't bothered to rate it. It's the name of the album, um. But for me, it's the, it's the year two thousand, uh, the, maybe the beginning of two thousand and one, and um, my brother has just been born, and uh, me, my my stepdad, and my mum um, we've moved from the small cottage where we did before my brother was born into a much bigger house. And um, the house is twice as big as any of the places that we've ever lived before because we need an, an extra bedroom um, for my brother. And I have a lot of memories of, of this house, of it being summertime. There was a, a big garden that we suddenly had before. Our garden was uh, like literally the back of the house. There was a, a one metre squared uh, concrete block where my parents could go and smoke. And that, that was it. Um But this reminds me of this house and I have a lot of memories attached to that house. It was where I lived when 9-11 happened and it was like, which is not a dissimilar time to when this album is is kind of coming out. Um, And it's just one of those songs that pulls me back to that house and to that time period where my brother has just been born. We've moved into this big house because it's what my stepdad would be playing in the car especially in the car so around this time where we're going on holiday or whether we're just you know driving around because we lived in a village if you wanted to go shopping to a supermarket you'd have to drive 30 35 minutes something like that so there's lots of music being played like i could have gone for ace of spades by motorhead would it could also have been this track you know from from that kind of time period but i went for this one Specifically for another memory I have, which is a few years later, where I'm listening to Queens of the Stone Age myself, but I'm still like, um, I don't know, 13 or or 14, something like that. Um, But I'm not listening to Rated R as much. I'm listening to Songs of the Deaf, which is the album that that comes after this one. Um, And me and my stepdad are driving in the car and Feel Good Hit in the Summer comes on. And we're kind of singing along as, you know, as you do with a a child that's been singing about nicotine and Valium and Vicodin since they were nine or ten. And then I I remember saying to my stepdad, is this a song about everything that they think is bad? And my stepdad kind of looking at me like, are you an idiot? (laughs) (laughs) And then, then say, no, this is a song about everything that they want to do. I was like, whoa. (laughs) <laughs> that for me was like a, can uh, say that. Um, yeah. This was a mind-bending moment because we've we've always listened to uh, to to punk music. Like um, as I said, I grew I, I grew up on on the Ramones and and the Clash and these are you know bands that are still very much um, still very much my my favorites now. But that moment of we can talk about drugs as a positive thing if we want to was like I. T- Genuinely can't believe this. I don't. What, what are you talking about? And it was a moment of um, I don't know that naivety almost being uh, being washed away, because again we're we big Foo Fighters fans in our house, but when you talk about Dave Grohl as a rock god and a rock legend, um, uh, he's uh, does drums on on songs for the deaf and stuff like that as well. But Dave Grohl has always been like a straight a straight man, right? He's not a partying. Uh, you know, drugs and until he passes out, kind of guy. He's a professional, a, a, like a, a music professional. Um, whereas you go across to like to to Josh Homme and and especially in the doing to this time, you've got Nick Olivieri on bass, like one of like the, the yeah. defining bassists of the early two thousands. Just a real fucking bastard, but he looks <laughs> awesome and he's a great bassist, and he's a he's a horrible horrible guy. Dude, they kicked out of Queens of the Stone Age basically for a you know, constantly being on nicotine, valium, vicodin, and ecstasy and alcohol and coca coca co- co- cocaine, and then just I think abusing his his girlfriend or his, his partner and just, you know, that rock and roll life, um, took over, and the way I've the way I feel about the song now has kind of changed almost back to what I originally thought when I was younger where the song is almost a warning in a way i think not to say that these things are bad but you look at the trajectory and the careers especially of of someone like of nicola Vieri, is we live the life that is as hardcore as this song is right it's the feel-good hit of the summer because this is what we do during the summer Right when when the sun is out and you're in the desert because all all the Queen's of the Age albums feel like they're being played in the desert.
1: Yeah, desert um, rock is like their yeah sort of the the sole proprietors of that genre. Yes,
0: yeah, and um, it comes to me now more as at the very end of the song you get the final coke cocaine and then just a ugh at the end of the song that the Josh Hong does is this like a come down moment and to me that's like the warning the warning of the song is like um you can you can live like this but if you do you'll end up like nick olivieri and you'll be out of the band <laughs> and you'll be kind of shamed in in your own way and um yeah it comes with a cost the the feel good hit comes with comes with the yeah. cost
1: so did you take it that way when you were first hearing it did you take it as a you know or uh, do you take it as these these guys are all talking about this stuff and this is their lifestyle but I wouldn't ever do that or are you taking it to be like wow this is kind of cool um, that they're even talking about it were you ever sort of tempted into that thinking that was something you wanted to
0: no I don't uh, think when because I emulate. listened to it first off when I was so young when it first came out yeah. I didn't think anything about the lyrics at all If I probably couldn't have told you any of the words that they were saying <laughs> when you know, when it was, when it, it, I, I, as you were saying, you said uh, when we listened to oh, it, I had to look up the lyrics for this the other day, even though they only say like seven words. Yeah. Um, you, you, at the time, I couldn't have told like what, I didn't know what Valium or Vicodin was. It was just like the phonics sounds of Valium, you know, or yeah. Vi- yeah. yeah. And so, but they, they say it fast, they say it crisp, they say it loud. Like, it's not. But there's that again. There's that kind of slurring going on as as the song goes on. The lyrics become more slurred, as if the effects of these drugs are are on the are on the vocalist themselves. Um, but I think uh, I didn't take it as oh, this is something that I really I really want to go and do now. That's I've I've never <laughs> had that.
1: It, yeah, just like in the way that people look up to their rock gods and and think they're the coolest they're the coolest that can be that there is no one cooler than, than a rock God. Yeah. So that's the kind of lifestyle you want to live and you want to dress like them and mm. treat people the way they treat them. And often the people who do that misguidedly are the ones who have no talent to back it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These guys do. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, after I like the, I like the story. Um, I'm quite envious of you in that you had two, two father figures who both imparted on you what i would consider to be a good taste in music um it was it was varied and uh, had great historical de- uh, breadth and i think that i can imagine um you you being taught what that historical context was about with with punk with your stepdad and with like 50s rock and roll with your dad and i i I am envious of that because all all music besides what I told you about with like U2 or Christian worship music, all music that I ever came to I had to find on my own and um, it came from friends at school and stuff and then that kind of leads you down all these paths that you travel. But my dad's relationship with uh, what you, I guess what you might call youth music in like the 90s and the 2000s was the complete opposite. Um, I remember when uh when i was in my teens my brother my brother is two and a half years three years younger than me um he got into hip-hop at that stage way before i ever did i was still in sort of the skate rock Mm -hmm. pop punk some more just sort of straight rock kind of stuff at that point some and um some more some more rappier things but in terms of like proper hip-hop my brother was delving into the back catalogue and the history of it way before i was um and but he hid it from our dad so my brother was listening to NWA specifically and he had a CD that a friend had given him and he hid it under his bed and one day um my dad found it and that led to a stern talking to um <laughs> when my dad read the track listing on the back of the CD <laughs> um and I that's know that's not going to go well no, and I know that I've mentioned that my dad used to be a policeman. So yes, and yes, and this might be an embarrassing story that he might not like me telling, but he won't ever listen to this. So, gosh, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, we all we've all got to live with our embarrassing history. Yes, this is true. Um, so he he reads. The, he sits Connor down, and he reads the track list, and is like, points to one in particular, and goes, "F the police. Mm-hmm. How do you think that makes me feel?
0: Yeah,
1: and now me and Connor talk about that, and we find it really funny." At that time, that was my dad was actually upset by that. Yeah. He was upset that his son was listening to a bunch of people encouraging to at the very least dismiss the police, distrust the police, and perhaps mm-hmm. even be violent towards the police. Um, but he, I think, the way that he was raised was also he wasn't even I don't think aware of the popular music of his own popular music of his own age. Um, his parents were even more strictly strictly governed what him and his brothers were allowed in terms of music and popular culture. I know he didn't really watch many films when he was young and the only music that I know that he likes from the 70s when he was growing up is ELO and I've never heard him talk about anybody else. Um, so I think having no, uh, no experience of, having, of understanding the contemporary culture just carried on as he got into his twenties and thirties mm. and then to, to, he's not going to understand what he's uh, sorry, the West coast hip hop is trying to <laughs> is about. Yeah. Like it's not going to, it's not going to communicate with him, but I can, we, I do remember being in car on car trips with the whole family on holidays. And for a short period, he would let me and my brother choose the music in the car. And we end up putting on the music that we liked. And so I, um, at that point I think we, me and Connor were both into Linkin Park so I think Hybrid Theory got nice. a few spins nice. and I'm sure my parents did not understand it whatsoever um, and I think I'm trying to think of a particular album that I put on that when I think about it now and I remember being in the car and being that age and putting it on for the whole car and the whole family to hear I cringe Yes. I was like why would I think this was a good idea and I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of what it um, of what it was now what could it have been that sort of era I guess I would have been it's probably around 2000 early 2000s what kind of music was I listening to maybe um, late, later on I think Placebo Sleeping With Ghosts was one uh-huh. I put on in the car which is kind of weird and haunting it has some good like rock tracks on it too but yeah I'm sure my parents were like um, I'm not so sure about I'm not so sure what this is about <laughs> so well, yeah that's... i'm 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 kind of envious i'm one on the one hand i'm envious that i didn't have that education from a young age but then i, I also quite I, i'm of course quite glad of the way that i had to find um music in in my own way and uh, and how fortunate i am to have bumped into people and friends along the way who introduced me to stuff and, mm. and that's probably why i've ended up being quite eclectic in my tastes
0: well, I think that's a perfect discussion of of music and and fathers and family to, to leave it on.
1: There. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Let's go. Well, can I just ask you one question? Yeah. What's the last? that was the last song you, um, like, was the last song you heard that was put on by, your dad or your stepdad, around you?
0: Oh, I mean, we were getting drunk and listening to music last night what are you listening to so uh, we each it's one of those ones where we each kind of pick a track or oh, yeah. um, or we have the, the record player so we'll put a, a vinyl a vinyl on oh, nice. but the family album in this house with, with my mum and my, my stepdad and my brother the family album is Blackout by the Dropkick Murphys that's our our. this
1: is exactly album. what I'm talking about it's so unfair <laughs> <laughs>
0: each each track on there is uh, has a specific family meaning um, the the Titular track, Blackout, um, is one that I performed for my GCSE music solo performance on bass. Um, and I got an A for that. Thank you very much. Of course. Did, um, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, uh, oh, what's the track called? There's a duet track at the end. The I think it's... Is it The Empty Bottle? The... Um, uh, Empty Glass, Empty Glass, um, from that album, uh, is a duet um, about uh, a couple that have fallen in love, well, ha- had fallen in love, and now hate each other. Um, and one of them, the the female in the in the duet, um, runs a bar. And uh, my mum and my stepdad performed that... Uh, a music at a gig that they they did together. They both did empty glass. They did the, the back and forth. So anytime that comes on, they uh, they duet to duet it together in in the car. And the whole album is just uh, uh, an anthem for the family. So yeah, that's 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 the big one for us. What about you?
1: That's really cool. I don't. Know, I think um, we don't have anything such as that because my parents' music tastes have have uh, separated. I think quite a bit. I think my mum has gone went through a phase, maybe uh, ten years or so ago, where she really wanted to expand her musical horizons. She she was always coming to me for suggestions and mm. and even of like a It's like I've heard of this trip hop. Can you uh <laughs> can you just make me a CD of some stuff? So I re I really enjoyed that that thing. Whereas yeah, my dad is, I'm not really sure what he re- actually sits down and listens to now. I, I've walked into the kitchen at his house and there's been opera uh-huh. playing. Um, I think maybe he's he's going in a slightly more upper like high class mm. direction now, um, so maybe he's yeah he's trying to get all cultured, whereas yeah, <laughs> my mum is just like likes a bit of everything. She's likes a bit of folk and actually speaking of going going this is a bit of a hark back to earlier on, but going through my parents' music and seeing what stuff I liked um, with my dad, yeah, I found Mark Cohn and didn't really get on with you two. He had Dire Straits as well, which I didn't really get along yeah. with um van morrison i couldn't really doesn't really speak didn't really speak to me at that age um but that but my one i always nicked for my mum was lauren hill the miseducation of lauren hill yeah and now and i i i rem, i remembered bits and pieces of it and it was only a couple of years ago where i just kind of remembered that album existed and listened through to it and i was like this is such a great album like she was so amazing i love this album and just, it makes me think about how cool my mum was to be like when I think that must have come out in the mid nineties and she like probably went out and bought it then and listened to it then I was like, "Yes, mum, yeah, great shout. those are some great selections, um yeah,
0: yeah, okay, perfect. I think we, we there's a a good place to round it off for this episode. I really enjoyed this one, something a little bit different, and uh some great choices um to go through the the playlist that we've created, the daddy issues playlist number one because I think we'll come back and revisit this this uh, this idea again Um, the first track we had was uh, Wonderboy by by The Kinks Uh, track 2 was Boney Maroney by Larry Williams track 3 is Silver Thunderbird by Mark Cohn track 4 is Needy Girl by Chromeo. track 5 is Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For by U2 and coming in with a hot powerful ending uh, track 6 Feel Good Hit in the Summer by by Queens of the Stone Age that's a great that's a great playlist it's a good selection I like that yeah yeah, well thank you guys very much for listening um, let us know what you think of the playlist and if you have any uh, songs that connect you with your parents then please uh, leave them uh, in the comments below uh, if you have any suggestions of things to do on daddy issues next time maybe this is the first track that you've uh, uh, the first episode that you listen listened to because you just love Silver Thunderbird and I put it in the tags and you found it that way um uh, leave a suggestion of yeah of what you'd like us to do in the future and we will so thank you very much and we'll see you next time bye he's waving cocaine don't edit that in <laughs>